0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Showtime with Coop, and in the house is somebody that I admire a lot, Dale Ellis, one of the greatest shooters in this game. Uh, Dale, you're with Coop, and Insightful BS is what we like to call this show, because what we do is we have a good time, we talk about things, and as I was going through your bio and look, Dale, I didn't know you were from Marietta, Georgia. I thought you were from Knoxville, Tennessee. Now, I know you went to college there, but I thought that's where you came up.
1: Right, yeah. I'm from Marietta. Uh, I chose to go to Knoxville. I thought it was the best fit for me. Uh, I looked at that situation. I really wanted to stay home, Coop. It was Mm -hmm. hard. I'd never been away from home, really. So I wanted to stay home, play at the University of Georgia. But it was a better fit for me at the University of Tennessee. So I could have made made a better choice.
0: Was it the coaching? Why was it a better fit?
1: Oh, I just looked at that that program. I had a chance to go visit, uh, visit a few schools. Looked at the programs, uh, got to meet some of the players, I actually run up and down the floor with a few guys and really loved the fit. Okay. Who were some of your role models growing up? Role models? I'm from, um, I'm from the Atlanta area, you know. I was born in 1960. You know, Dr. King was a role model to a lot of us, you know. James Brown, you look at a guy like that, you know, and, and the lyrics, uh, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, gave us something to feel good about ourselves in an era where um, – you know, there was segregation. Um, I'm the youngest, I have a twin brother, I'm the youngest of six in a family, and we started in integrated schools. So, you know, it was a, it was a difficult period.
0: You know, Adele, uh, later on in the show, we have a, a part where we play James Brown music, and you're going to okay. have to get up and dance. You have to do the hot foot and dance. You to develop those skills. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, so you end up at Tennessee. Who's the toughest player, Dale, that you went against in college? Um, I
1: was forced to play defense playing for Don DeVoe. He didn't, he wouldn't have it any other way. So uh, we didn't have a true center after the first, my first year there. So I I played against guys like uh, Sam Bowie. I matched up with Ralph Sampson. I played against guards like Jeff Malone. So I was actually guarding the best players on on different teams that we competed against. I wasn't known much as a defender and on the pro level, but (laughs) I always looked at the pro game as the last two minutes when you have to suck it up and play some true defense. But I was so happy to leave Tennessee when I saw Charles Barkley come in as a freshman. I didn't want any part of having to guard him. (laughs)
0: You know what, Dale, I usually start my show out by uh, highlighting some of our, our guest uh, accolades, okay, and I'm, you know, I'm glad that you said that, that you weren't much of a pastor, because you were a scorer, but you were an NBA All-Star in 1989, All-NBA Third Team in 89, NBA Most Improved Player in 87, uh, something that I hate that you got that I was after so long, NBA three-point champion in 1989. Was Larry in the contest with us then? Was, was I in that I one? We, no, I wasn't in that one, I was thinking.
1: I don't believe Larry participated in that
0: in that contest. I don't think he was, no. Okay, so you beat a bunch of softies, because Larry would talk about, you know what, in, uh, I think it was 83, 84, he walked in there and told everybody in there, listen, I hope you fuckers are ready to play for number two, because I'm winning this shit. So he won a, a three-point contest, but again, congratulations to you. Um, you scored nineteen thousand four points for fifteen points uh, average, four thousand rebounds for three point five, and one thousand seven hundred forty eight forty six assists for one point four. So we know Dale Ellis was not a an assist person. He's about getting putting the ball in the basket. You're drafted ninth player pick in um, ninety eighty three eighty three yes eighty three. Um, what team were you looking? go-to go to, or you didn't really
1: care? I, I was just excited about the opportunity to play professional basketball. I only had one team contact me, and that was the Chicago Bulls, and they asked me if I could play power forward in the NBA, and I said yes. Uh, I, I played, I was a post player. I was a post player. All three, How tall were you, Dale? Six, seven. Okay. Yeah, But uh, there's no way, once I got to that professional level, there's no way I could have played uh, uh, the power forward position, bro. I really know playing my first three years in Dallas, and they drafted me as a forward. I had no idea that I could uh, face the basket and shoot from the the range I was shooting it from.
0: Who was the coach there? Dick Motta. Dick Motta, that's right. Coach Motta was a good coach. You know, by the time you got there, we had established a pretty good rivalry—the Mavericks and the Lakers—and. I know they had James Donaldson. Uh, was right. Roy Tarpley with you or after you? Well, Roy, Roy actually came after me. I after to... you, okay. And okay. then they had Brad Davis was your point guard. Brad was pretty good. Was Roe Blackman there? Rolando Blackman, Derek Harper, yeah. um, Mark Aguirre. We had a nice spot. Yeah, James... uh, uh, but not nice enough to beat us. So, Dale, listen, the <laughs> thing I want you to... <laughs> to get rid we talking, you know, you and I are too old to do anything now. But all we have is our memories. So let's talk about our memories of, of that series. What do you remember of some of those games that we played in that series? You know, when I um, – I remember
1: Derek Harper had driven the time off the clock when I was in <laughs> Dallas. And we were at home. We had an opportunity to beat you guys. Uh, we were up and coming. And then the year I left, and went to Seattle. Um, uh, that following year, I was, was in the Western Conference Finals against the
0: Lakers. Well, well, don't jump so fast past that Mavs thing. What okay. did you think when Hart was dribbling the ball? Because it shocked us. I mean, we were literally shocked when he, he was just dribbling around because we were, like, focused on trying to play defense. And when he started dribbling toward half court, I was like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, I felt
1: awful for him. You know, I yeah. was running all over the place trying to get that ball, yelling for it. <laughs> you know, the play was already broken. He didn't have a clue that, you know, we were, we were behind. I felt awful for him, Coop. I, I looked at that situation because Derek was a good friend of mine. We came in the same year. We were both both first-round draft picks. So I thought I could have handled that situation a lot, lot better than him. The first time I played organized basketball, we had a jump ball, coup. I got the ball. I dribbled down the floor, laid it in the first two points. So I turned around and looked at my teammates, and I realized I had shot the ball in the wrong basket. <laughs> <laughs> so it taught me Ben early to pay attention to detail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you could kind of comfort him a little bit when that play happened with him and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know what, Harper was a hell of a player, man. I mean, probably one of, the, he's tough, one of the toughest guards I've had to go against. I mean, Harp had that little trick where he put his foot out there and he tripped me a couple of times. And back then, the officials let stuff like that go. But you know what, that was a heck of a series and uh, one that I'll always remember because you know, you guys were always tough. And I tell people now, they'll, you know, you, you look at players like Harden Curry, people don't realize the shooters that we had in the 80s yourself, Craig Hodges, uh, Ray Allen. You had some great, 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 Larry Bird. Who was your top three all time, all time shooter? Who was your top three? Best perimeter shooters would that be? And you can include yourself. Okay.
1: Um, I would say that uh, the kid out of Marietta, Dale Ellis. Uh, <laughs> maybe the kid out of uh, the University of Tennessee, Dale Ellis. <laughs> <And> <laughs> the former Sonic player, Dale Ellis.
2: <laughs> yeah, Coop, I mean, it's a career 40% percent 3 point shooter in, in, what, I mean, 19 seasons in the league? Is that how you played 19 seasons in the league?
1: Nineteen? No, seventeen. No, seventeen. Yeah, I played seventeen.
2: a forty percent? Did you play in the wrong era? A forty percent three point shooter in seventeen years?
1: I believe I did play in the wrong era. You know, there's no such thing as a bad shot in
2: this era. There is. (laughs) There is not. Coop it's a four-point shot. I mean, you could have hit a four-point shot. I think shot. that would be good. Dale, you know, I coach in the big three,
0: the, the half-court league, and we have a four-point shot there. Guys are shooting so far out now. I think that would – some people would call it a gimmick, but I think it would, you got to give them guys extra credit from shooting out there, man. That's a long shot. It is. It is. Uh, it's
1: just a matter of practice and shooting from that distance. Those guys shoot it with so much confidence it's ridiculous. They have the green light. You know, when we came into the league, they were, the NBA was just – Experiment with the three-point line, you'd take shots at the end of a half to go in the locker room up, or you'd take that shot at the end of the game to, to win it. But now, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a seven-footer or you're a point guard, you know. I expect you to be able to shoot it from distances.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Showtime with Coop. Our guest is Dale Ellis. Dale, we're at the point of uh, the show where I have what I call Coop's lightning round. I'm going to give you five names. And just tell me a little bit about him, as much as you want or as little as you want, okay? Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. Oh, it was always a challenge. I, I really enjoyed playing with him,
1: playing against him, I'm sorry. Uh, it was the easiest game to get up for for me because I looked at that. The arena was going to be full. Um, there's going to be a lot of excitement in the air. We're going we're gonna to beat him. We're going to beat him. And uh, he has to play against me as well. So, you know, those games were, were always exciting for me.
0: Uh, Magic Johnson.
1: Magic? Uh, I made the All-Star team in 89, uh, and uh, Magic gave up his seat to uh, allow Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to uh, finish his last year as an All-Star. I was disappointed with that because I wanted to see what it was like to rub it down the floor with him. I always thought that um, Byron
0: Scott had the easiest job in the NBA. <laughs> So with Dale, it was pretty easy playing with him, man. All you do is no. run around with your hands like this. <laughs> uh, Kobe Bryant, Kobe was fun
1: to watch, you know. Derek, Derek had an opportunity to play with Kobe in um, in L.A., and I'd call Derek and ask him, "Is he really that good?" He'd say, "He's better than And I said, "Can't be, can't be." <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, a young fellow. I've just seen, you know, he, it's, they're like twins on the floor. They play the same way, so he was always fun to watch.
0: Uh we don't talk about you getting traded from Dallas to Seattle, but once you got to Seattle, Jack Sigma.
1: Jack, uh with that turnaround step that he did and put the ball behind his head and shoot it, I, I loved it. You know, fundamentally sound, new, you know, former champion,
0: fun to play with. He had a great understanding of the game. You know what we used to call him? We used to call him Lurch. <laughs> 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 career would go, damn, I got a guard lurch this series. <laughs> but you know what? He was really, really a, a very fundamental player. Jack Tickman was very, very good. Last but not least, uh, Coach Bernie Bickerstaff. Uh, my favorite coach. I played with a lot of great coaches. Uh, my
1: first three years in Dallas, I wanted the opportunity didn't get it, really. I played some minutes, but not as much as I wanted. I got to Seattle and Bernie put me in the guard position. Recognized the skills, took advantage of it, and told me to shoot it. Gave me the green light, you know, and always there supporting me and uh, pumped me to, to go for it, you know. And um, so I got my first opportunity with Bernie. Love him.
2: Coop Coop Dale averaged seven points a game his last year in Dallas. He averaged twenty five points a game the next year in Seattle.
0: Somebody in Dallas
2: needs to get fired. Rules.
0: That's why. I
2: mean, that is an insane green light for it's like, oh yeah, here's a guy that could, you know, could shoot like that. I mean, that that's just an insane jump in a couple of years. And I mean, it just seems like, was it just that, or was it you getting the game? Was it just a combination of, you know, you getting the NBA, the professional game along with the coach that sort of brought the best out of you? Like what? what how, how do you go from seven points a game to 25 points a game in one season?
1: Well, I, um, you know, we grew up in an era where you had to play team basketball. You look at some of the basketball now, you, you would think it, it, they were labeled the me generation. Um, you know, getting, getting to Seattle and trying to play team basketball, I threw the ball away a couple of times when it first inserted me into the starting lineup. Bernie called the timeout and said, uh, listen, you know, you're throwing your, your teammates off rhythm. When you catch the ball, they expect you to shoot it. If you insist on passing, you sit down next to me. I just sat for three years in Dallas. <laughs> I looked at my teammates' eyes, and they, they looked back at me and I said, oh, it's time to put it in the air. Put it in the air, with confidence. You know, it, uh, you have a lot of great players that are sitting on benches today, and all they need is an opportunity and a coach that will give them uh, the go-ahead to go play basketball, and Bernie mm-hmm. did that for me.
0: You know, Dale uh, Bob McAdoo. We played with him later on in his career. One saying he always had, and it it it, it used to irk me, but I kind of understood what he's talking about. He used to say, "It can't go in if it don't go up." Yeah, I guess that you took that you took that to heart. <laughs> yeah, Put it in the air, <laughs> Dale. Um, what does it feel like? And you're one of the greatest shooters that played the game. What does it feel like? to be in the shooting zone. You know, people describe the basket as being as big as an ocean. Uh, I can just, whatever I throw in, I've never had that feeling. Never had that feeling, you know. What is, tell, describe to us what it felt like when you got into that, that zone. The NBA season is back. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action at exclusive exclusivepartnerbetonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50 to get your 50% bonus. That's 50% extra cash at sign up with code CLNS50. Get insights into all the NBA action across the season, plus all sports professions, Collegiate as well as pop culture and even reality television wagering. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the fun, in-season action at BetOnline. Don't forget to use my special Michael Cooper promo code, of CLNS50, to get a 50% sign-up bonus with your first deposit. Bet online today at BetOnline.ag, your online book expert. Never had that feeling, you know. What is, tell, describe to us what it felt like when you got into that, that zone. No, it was an uh, incredible
1: feeling. It's like you said. It, it doesn't matter what you do or how you shoot. It, it's going in because you found your rhythm. It's just on. Uh, I, had, I have uh, I've had quite a few nights like that. Sometimes it's embarrassing. What well, we never wanted to do, Cooper, is embarrass your opponents because you got to see them again at some point. You know, So there were times when the game is, you know, when the game's out of reach. That one shot takes yeah. the game out of reach. I'm ready to sit down. I don't want to keep shooting. But I had Bernie, give him the ball, give him the ball. Keep shooting, keep shooting. But uh, that, that was it's an incredible feeling when you're playing that way.
0: Now, yeah. I, as an older person, Dale, I, I don't recall many times. Did you have that zone on, on us or me ever? Uh, well, you know, I, I got to say
1: this. I have to say this. <laughs> I don't remember my shot ever being blocked, but you got to it one time. He got to one time. And uh, I I looked at it and it's like, okay, that, I'm going to let that go because that was – you could see that one coming. There's only a few seconds left. There's no choice but to jack it up there. You know, I tried to do play team ball. Shot one there. I wasn't forcing anything. That's the type of player I was. But.
0: You know, yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because, you know, we have a lot of uh, moments in our NBA career where you think about something happening, offense and defense – and um, Pat Riley said that that was probably one of the best plays he has ever seen a play, a defensive player happen because you had left me on the other side of the court. Right. And as you being that tough, hard-nosed offensive player where I'm not going to give up, that's the same kind of attitude that I have on my defense. And all I got was my fingertip on that play, man. Yeah. I really believe, had I not been able to get there, you would have knocked that shot down you would have won that game because that was a, a playoff series we were in. That's right. That's yeah. right. And uh, Cooper,
1: I remember the first time I saw you, uh played against you. I was with Dallas. Uh, we were playing in L.A. and I understood how difficult it was to play against a guy like you. So when I talk about defenders, I always mention your name. Uh, well, I get asked the question, who was the toughest defender? I always go back to Michael Cooper. You know? It's hard. Back then, you could put your hands on someone, and you had good hands. Oh, they—they—they wore they they the jersey, my shorts down. You did a lot of tricks.
2: <laughs> did he talk a lot? Of, was he a I big did. trash
0: talker? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't stoop that low. I was low, but I didn't stoop that low. But <laughs> was uh, Coop, I was Cooper a smack talker? Was it? No, no. He was
1: just a steady player. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't believe if I said anything to Cooper, he would. He wouldn't say anything back. He was always concentrating on getting his job done that type
0: of player that's the same thing with dale that's why i say you know they talk about people probably talk crazy to somebody else but when you're going against somebody that is competitive like you are words don't mean anything to them and i mean why would i say anything to dale because he's not gonna listen to that why would i say anything to george gervin mike mitchell i mean shooters that can shoot they don't hear that talk you got to get there with your actions but the Dale was, was probably one of, and I'll say this by now, going down the history of this game here, he beat up top three all-time shooters. I mean, you have to put Curry up there. Dale Curry, D-E-L, not D-A-L. Uh, Steph's dad was a pretty good shooter too. But uh, when you look back at the game, let's say this, Dale, if you could change one part of the NBA right now, what would it be? I'd like to take it back to
1: old-school basketball. You know, that era with the Lakers and the Celtics playing for championship. That was fun basketball to watch. That physical play. They're they're taking a big guy out of the game now. I like watching the big guys play the game. We we grew up, you know, you got to let the big guys touch the basketball. They're rebounding. They're playing hard. They're playing defense. You got to let them touch it from time to time. But the game has changed. Uh, The physical play, I missed that. Um, So i like to see it go back. I don't think it'll ever go back to uh, the hand-checking rules that, where you can put your hands on a guy's waist as he's facing you. It was difficult to play. It'll be – I look at some of the athletes playing the game now, Coop. You've got some great athletes, some great athletes, but I wondered how they would perform and, uh, in the 80s, early
2: 90s. Well said. What about the – what about Seattle – in the nba in seattle you think they'll ever be back and and you know how disappointed were you when the nba left seattle
1: uh i'm very disappointed um you know, it was 14th largest market i believe uh, we had some great fans great fans they missed they missed uh the sonics i hope it's, at some point the sonics will come back to seattle i think it will
0: happen Hey, Dale, you know, uh, jumping back a little bit, you, I saw in your bio where <clears throat> you told your mom that you were going to get your degree. We have a lot of young listeners. Why was that so important to you to get your degree? Well, I, I, uh, I was an
1: average student, Coop. I did just enough to get by. I love basketball. I, play, I grew up playing Sandlock football, baseball, played all the sports. I dropped all those stuff with basketball. But, so I, I did enough to get by. And when when I came into the league, the league was encouraging teams to offer players to go back to school, offer them incentives to go back to school to get their college degree because they were trying to grow the league. And I was offered monies to go back. I didn't care anything about the money. I wanted to play NBA basketball. I sat down and spoke with my mom about it, understood how important it was to her and important to uh, the ones coming after me. I have two kids with college degrees now. I have a, a son that has his uh degree on time out of Wake Forest. I have a daughter who got a degree, a master's out of USC in California, that's starting to get her doctorate. So it's wow. just setting the stage for the ones coming behind you. So what I stress with kids in camps are academics, athletics. If you're gonna favor one over the other, favor academics.
2: You mentioned early on growing up in Marietta, Georgia in the sixties, and and you know, you were involved in um you know integrating schools i mean what what was that experience like? I mean, were you able to play basketball and and what was that like in in playing basketball you know as integration was happening and you know I, I can't well, even imagine what that was like
1: yeah my older brothers and sisters started in it uh segregated schools and uh my twin and I started in integrated schools but uh, I come from government housing low income homes uh you walk out of your front door you walk twenty yards you're in the streets. And uh, you're playing with kids all day long. So we find pickup games here and there. It was always a competitive atmosphere. I grew up some guys I thought could have played on professional level. Once I got to the NBA, I looked backwards. And uh, there's quite a few athletes that I grew up with that had a chance if they had pursued it. But uh, just uh, recognizing that you do have that chance, uh, uh, an opportunity in front of you to do it if but it, it, it takes giving up something. You have to give up something to get what you want. So a lot of the guys that I grew up with were willing to give up a whole lot to get to um, college or, or uh, to the professional level. Mm-hmm.
0: Listening to Showtime with Coop podcast, Insightful BS. And our guy today is Dale Ellis. He's on here with us. A couple more questions, Dale. Uh, I'm going to take us off course just a little bit. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts. You ever heard of Blue Chew? Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, Showtime. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W. Dot com. promo code showtime to try a free dose now Jail, I'm a senior citizen so uh, you know I've I'm, I'm been married now for about 15 years with my wife and uh, Blue Chew has really helped me through some difficult times but you know what it's important that we can feel like that old that superstar we used to be in the league you remember that yes okay yes. so we're going to get you out a free sample of some Blue Chew not that you need it do you I do thank oh, you okay okay <laughs> Thank you for not lying to me, Dale. <laughs> anyway, Dale, you left in 2000. Yeah. Why? Why did you leave the NBA? After 17 years, why didn't you go for 20, but you, you decided to leave. Why? I really wanted to, uh, the the opportunity
1: to play for a championship. I was so disappointed with that, you know? I had uh, recurring dreams, nightmares, sweating. I'm at the three point line or free throw line. I have to make a shot to win a championship. I really wanted to, to experience that. And uh my daughter was getting ready to go off to college. I believe that I thought that she I knew she had academically, but athletically she was going to USC to play tennis. And I thought she could have played on the on professional level. So I looked at that situation and said, I'm going to give up the game, go home, be Mr. Mom, and um, take care of her, run her back and forth to uh, school, uh, to practice, and to give her an understanding of uh, the mental approach that you have to have to be successful in any sport. I wanted to teach her that before she went off to college, so that's one of the reasons, the biggest reason why I walked away from the game.
0: You know Dale that's that's so fantastic because I grew up without my dad and Mm -hmm. so for me now being a parent of four kids that that to me takes precedent man you know because it's nothing like that loved one being there for their graduations for the answer any questions they have about dating or about anything in the world and that's where I am I have a 16 year old now so uh, yes I've been gone long from the game but our job does not stop with our kids. That's right.
1: I've been blessed again. I have uh, a 10-year-old out of nowhere. He's a 10-year-old, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. I get to see what it is truly to be a father. So I'm home with him at every opportunity I take him with me, whether it's on the road, a golf tournament, what have you. Uh, So I'm I'm enjoying uh, fatherhood.
2: What do you do these days?
1: Um, I'm president of the Atlanta chapter of Retired Player Association. So what we do is fundraise put events together. Uh, we take care of families in need during the holidays each year. Uh, that's challenging work. You have about 50 retired players living throughout the Atlanta area. They're not all engaged in, in the work that we do. But I've been doing that for several years. So I participate in a lot of uh, charity events. Uh, and most of them are golf tournaments, which I enjoy golfing. Uh, my son is a, um, is a soccer player. So uh, working with him on his, uh, his soccer skills, uh, COVID threw a wrench in a lot of the stuff that we were looking at doing, swimming lessons, uh, getting into basketball, basketball camps, and uh, stuff like that. But uh, at every opportunity, if the weather uh, permits, we like to get outside and get some uh, physical activities going.
0: Yeah, what is it with golf? I, I-, I don't understand, y'all. You're the only one that doesn't
2: golf. You're the only one that doesn't golf.
0: I talked to Spud. I talked to Michael Thompson. He can hardly walk. He had a hip replacement. He's back out there. James Worthy, Byron Scott, yourself. What is it with the sport? I just can't get it. Dale, listen, i tried it four or five times. I can't get it. I don't understand. What's the deal? I mean, but, yes, exercise, I walk around my neighborhood, but why golf? You know,
1: as a kid, the only sport that wasn't available to me was uh, tennis. You know, I, I never, and that, that was the only sport I would get in front of a TV and watch. I like individual sports. Um, you know, boxing are my favorite, you know, individual sport. But tennis was when I was coming up as a kid. Young uh, Borg and John McEnroe, I love watching those guys play. And Borg was my favorite player. But golf is an individual sport, too. It can beat you up, but you don't allow that to happen. Uh, most you well, know, I tell guys when they hit the ball out of bounds, it's it's not the game; it's the it's the
0: company you keep. Don't worry about where you hit the ball. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the company. I, so I'm just out there with my boys. I ain't worried about exactly. my shot being straight. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's just out there having fun. Yeah. So exactly. then, Dale, if I go out with y'all and I hit a shot, y'all can't talk about how bad I was behind my back. Oh, we're gonna talk to you your face about it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And you might have some Uh, guys behind you. You might have some guys behind you that are upset, too. You're going to be like, play through, play through, play through. (laughs) Dale, you've been great, man. Thank you so much, sir.
0: Really, really appreciate your time. Anything else you want to tell us about what you got going on? Oh,
1: I can't think of anything at this time, Coop. Okay. I really enjoyed the show, and thanks for having me on. If I can do anything for you, brother, please reach out to me.
0: Hey, all right. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Dale, you've been great, man. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, there you have it. Another episode of Showtime with Coop in the Pan with Dale Ellis. From our mouth to y'all's ear, you got it right there. Dad, thank you. Thank you, Dale.